2020, I think, is going to be a good year. I mean, it's starting out strong. Uh, and, you know, we don't focus on any one sport here. We can, we can uh, move around. We know, we know from last night that Jordan's favorite player is Brett Favre. He is retired. Um, but 2020 could be a really strong year. And I don't know how many more really strong years we'll have. But we've, we're on a roll. And it affects manage as well as so. What are there going to be any surprises in 2020? Panini guys don't even tip your hand, but if this is a hobby that you that people still say, What are you doing lately? What there's there you defeat the quasi addiction, you know. So, what's exciting for 2020? I think there's more money in the hobby now than there's ever been. I mean, I would kind of touch on that. I think there's more collectors in the hobby, or maybe they're not collectors, maybe they're flippers or whatever they are, but there's definitely more investors. I know we talk about this stuff at work a lot. I mean, coming off of the basketball year, we're having. I mean, Keith, you know, I mean, the rookie class, there's people are just throwing money into this industry. And if they're making money, they're going to probably continue doing it in 2020. I know football's got a good class coming. Baseball, we have a strong class coming as well um, with all these young guys just signing these giant deals. So I'm excited for 2020. I mean, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Keith, you know, especially with all the new money. In the, you know, in the- when you travel, <clears throat> my wife and I definitely enjoy traveling. I'm just amazed at how strong basketball is. Not only in Europe, but in Asia and all that. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't become the number one sport in the world. Basketball. Basketball. Isn't that right? Well, that's a bold claim. Soccer. Soccer. Think about football. I understand that. Yeah. When you see how far basketball's come. Yeah, that's for sure. Those are the two emerging uh, no international sports crafts. Yeah. But he's got a point. With sneaker, basketball yeah, is gross. With sneaker money coming into the game, and, yeah. and you know that's all basketball related. Yeah, you know, it's. I think that he's right. I think basketball will push itself to the forefront of the, of the hobby. Oh, there's no question. Especially with the year they're having right now. Yeah. No question. So well, what we see is like, then when basketball gets up there, then it makes football look like a really good deal. It's the same kind of production quantities. I mean, I'm talking about not just this year, last year, but for the last 25 years. Yeah, it makes football look like a bargain for the same. Yeah, no, we parallels and same kinds. No, we progressed. Um, really, 2016 was when we first started to see key parallels and key inserts kind of swing up. Not obviously to the degree that basketball is, but you know, where the year before uh, a key Tom Brady parallel may have been forty, fifty dollars, and now all of a sudden it's starting to go for two hundred, two fifty, and now bring it forward to today, things like a, a color blast. You know, he's going for fifteen hundred, two thousand for a non-numbered, you know, tough case hit uh, out of Prism. So. It has definitely um, yeah. trended that way. I mean, we don't expect to catch basketball, but uh, yeah, basketball. I mean, football for our business has been the largest portion, but basketball will pass it um, in overall dollars this year. Keith, you mentioned to me when we were chatting before that you've also found, I don't want to use the word secret, but you found a way to do retail really well in addition <coughs> to the hobby. And I, and I see Rob not, nodding his head, so it sounds like football is doing the same thing. Hmm. And, and I'm phrasing, not phrasing this the way I want to, but is there something where by the fact that every part is doing well, that if one part falters, the other part can then take it over. Like, not everybody can afford the $3,000 flawless pack. But most of us can go to Walmart and buy the $20 prison box. You see that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You go to Walmart, and when they don't have your prison basketball box, then all of a sudden it's, I'll just get this prison football, or I'll get this baseball, or whatever. And next thing you know, you're like, there's there's the same stuff in here. Why am I not buying this? And and you're right. I mean, when one does, when it's not there, when it's, $400 $400 a box, you can go get the other one for 200 Well, maybe I'll do some of that. Or I better go to the hobby shop. Yeah, exactly. Who bought up all the prison? That's really Now, we are excited about where we're launching the hybrid programs. Um, Score football is our first football one. But basically what we try to do is land somewhere in between retail and hobby. 
So um, I think score is going to be a forty dollars SRP, so it's going to have a, a few less cards. But we're putting hybrid means you sell to anybody who will pay for it. Correct. <laughs> basically, basically, look, we're, we're taxed on assets, right? There's only so many autographs and mem things that we can get. So what we're trying to do is capitalize, and this will mainly be with prisms and selects and things like that. We create a forty or fifty dollar box that's got some exclusive content, parallel wise, that, that are in those blasters for hobby blasters for lack of a better term in a 20 box case maybe there's a couple autographs in the case that's not what it's about um like in score we're doing some exclusive lenticular cards that we haven't done in a while along with another parallel out of 25 or something that you're going to get in the box so there's going to be value in these boxes but you should be able to go into a hobby shop and get it for 30 40 50 dollars and so it is an alternative if you can't find stuff on the retail shelf and you can't afford the 100 200 three thousand dollar item that this is kind of where we've landed as a new offering for and, and I think we're almost doing it exclusively to our, um, not our distributors, but the direct business. Distributors will get some, but it's mainly a hobby direct so focus. You guys have a lot of uh, non-serial number product that are uh, scarcer parallels. Do you know my theory? My theory is when I see these parallels and they're not numbered, if they are weird colors or non-masculine colors, they're more valuable. That's, true. That's a good theory. The, in basketball, the theory is the, I've never heard that. Or if they're animal, the more feminine the color. The well, no, it's the, the, it's the crazier it looks. Yeah, the more like wheels off. Like it looks like it doesn't belong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look back at old like Mitchell and Ness basketball jerseys, <laughs> the best selling ones are the lime green Atlanta Hawks. I mean, the crazy Supersonics ones. Same thing with shoes. Look what he's wearing over here. <laughs> I'm just saying that the more, like you said, the crazier looking yeah. it is, if you can find the right combination of things to put together. People people chase it because it's eye catching. So what about going to do next? It's coming. It's coming. No, and I'll tell you to, to your question, Rich. Too, the other things that have been incredible is that our company is based overseas, so the international market has always been important to them, and they were based on newsstand sales with the stickers, sticker packets, and the books. So when they bought the basketball license, they really trusted my direct boss, David Porter, with the brand because. Kobe was grew up in Italy. He was their guy. They spent a ton of money. He's the first big name athlete that Panini signed. First time in the card business. They they couldn't have it fail. So they let us do a lot of things early on that we may or may not be able to get away with now, just because they were invested in building the business. Yes, yeah. They they allowed us a lot more leeway to get us on our feet to where we needed to be now. And now we've got you know enough people that have been around long enough that we're up and running and. Things are things are going as well as they could at the moment. Was Panini's uh, European business and sticker business mainly return and stuff? My sense is it. I don't. Happen. I don't know that because they had they any returns at all. No, but I mean in their sticker business. So you're saying all those years when they were doing Olympic and hockey and soccer and all those things, those were non-returnable. Most of them were giveaways when they first started. You would get you would get Why the stickers with the book. Still are. Still log on the website. Yeah, yeah. Still that's that's business. how they built the business. Was they gave away the books and they gave away the stickers and then you filled in There's what was a left. Really cool book written about four or five years ago by the guy. I, mean, I actually <coughs> talked to everybody, including the, the CEO here, Panini. I know he talked to Mark because Mark's quoted extensively, and he does a lot about the history of stickers in England. And Jim's mm-hmm. right; there is some returnable. There are some returnables, and there were some issues in Panini. Had I don't want to say a near death experience in stickers, but mm-hmm. they they were second in the market for a long time. And, it took a while, and once they figured it out overseas, it's, they became the dominant uh, sticker business in the in the foreign countries. You know, Craig Lansdowne. I think yes, I just, I thought, I, I've emailed with him several. He sent me a copy of the book. Yeah. So he's a he's a cool guy. Yeah, really nice guy. Yeah. That, that's when I listened when you when you had him on the interview, and I couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah. Your 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 levels. Funny, that's the, the short lived Bennett like Beckett soccer podcast that we, uh, <laughs> we had. I came up with that name. Thank you for that. Thank you. I was one of the three subscribers. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Until like, my wife and two kids, my my three kids were the other ones. Yeah. So that was it. But he's but 
it's an interesting read, and I would definitely recommend if you ever can get a copy of it just to learn more about your own company history to look it up. So changes in 2020, I think you're going to see a lot of, I, I know you're going to see a lot of new startups launching to the market. I know there's a lot of folks from other, you know, other companies launched by people that are sharp in other industries that see an opportunity. I personally spoke with the founder of FanDuel. He's gearing up to do a big sports card startup. The founder of Twitch is going to get into the hobby. Um, I know Turner is looking to get into the hobby. So they, I think you've got a lot of big <coughs> entities out there that don't have history in the hobby that are seeing the growth of the hobby. I think you've got... Um, People have seen the explosion of daily fantasy sports, and I think I think a lot of people are seeing cards as an evolution of daily fantasy sports, or not an evolution, but maybe the next thing. Well, it's correlated. Perhaps. Yeah, you seem to emphasize that that there is a correlation between on-field performance mm -hmm. and uh, card guys. in real time. There is correlation, not perfect, but right. there's there's definitely a noticeable correlation. Um, I think one of the really interesting things I'd love to know more about is uh, what Panini is doing with blockchain because that's another big thing that has launched just in the last couple of weeks that I think is pushing into the direction of digital cards and cards being traded in real time and perhaps a future where the physical asset is maybe not even as important as a digital well, asset, which would be Blockchain radical. is not as meaningful for the physical asset as it is for the digital Correct. asset. Blockchain has to be there for the digital asset or, you, or what is it? Right. And where did it come from? And it just show up with something. So there, that's that's the whole story of Bitcoin too. But the way you all have positioned this, where there's a physical card and the digital card, and it's wrapped into this blockchain thing, to me, the real play is the is the virtual digital card that has the blockchain uh, legacy uh, tracking. And that, if that works, there, you know, upper deck is going to pay attention. Thompson's going to pay attention. To be fair, we did the physical. To you try to attract the to attract the eyes, of, but to bring to try to bridge and bring in <laughs> regular collectors and who may not have wanted to stick their toe in the water, and they don't. So we're trying to do that. So we've got that, but we've got dig purely digital, like flawless football. will have a. It's a we don't want to call it a redemption card, but, but but there will be digital assets that are within some of our programs as well. But we do we are kind of introducing and trying to get guys that are only physical cards to mainly take a peek and see what this blockchain may be about, which is why we started it the way we did. I think it's going to take a new breed of, it's the new breed of people coming into the hobby that could potentially endorse that and really cause that to become something massively huge. Um, I think your traditional collectors are not going to make the transition. Um, but I think there's enough new collectors coming in that is really interesting. Jordan, I get the impression a lot of people you deal with are what Jeff's referring to. Mm -hmm. And are you, are you getting any feedback from your contacts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, you know, I've been friends with a lot of the higher collectors on, on the basketball side. And I think, I mean, they're just going to keep chasing those 90s cards. You know, some of the newer stuff's going to be hard for them. They're chasing some of the Lucas and some of the, that stuff. But, um, you know, we're 90s kids, so we want the physical cards. We want it, we want that connection with whoever we're buying it from and some of those things. But... They might look at it from a business standpoint, um, but I don't. I don't think they're gonna, you know, get too vested on the collecting side of it, unless they see that it's uh, lucrative. Well, right. You know, it's going to be more volatile. It's going to be more dynamic. Uh, if if Jeff is right, it's going to be even more responsive to what's going on with daily uh, palpitations. I mean, it, it's it's going to be exciting. It's like back in the day. Well, even now, I guess with Bitcoin, it's a roller coaster, and you don't know what the underlying value is. With sports cards, you've at least got the underlying value of the performance of the celebrity, of the player, of the of what's going on. I think the idea of a stock market for players is very intriguing. And I think sports cards are the mechanism that can deliver on that. And yeah. I think that blockchain could potentially, digital and blockchain could, could potentially allow that to happen digitally in real time. 
Um, I think, I think comms, you know, the flipping on ComC helps accelerate that process because you don't have to <coughs> wait for the car to be shipped to you like you do on eBay. And obviously, StockX is trying to hit that, and that's exactly where StockX is trying to go into the trading card market. So I just think it's fascinating the way that you know it's going to change. But StockX hasn't done any kind of non-physical. No, they're not. They're not. Because I think that's a pretty big leap. I mean, maybe interesting. Jimmy made a point. Blockchain legitimizes it. That's the biggest thing. There actually was a thing a couple years ago. You know, we represent 10, 15 guys in the NFL at a given time, and you know, you get an email saying, "Hey, we're launching this thing where it's a stock market marketplace, <coughs> but blockchain and the collect, you know, the collecting card side does legitimize it and says, okay, well, if I can I cash out and get a physical card, then you know, how does that work? Right? There's a few moving parts there, but blockchain does legitimize that, and the card thing gives you an out as well. I would say. 